This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Beppo's Cafe. Ask for the Captain Peacock special and get a free red carnation for each creamy coffee you buy. Mr. Brandon, are you free? Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon. And this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hey, Brandon, how are you? I'm feeling very chipper this, this, uh, this time. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm free just kind of got me in the right place for a podcast about are you being served? You good, know? good, good to hear it. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing okay. It's um, it's the unofficial beginning of summer here in the states. Uh, the weather's starting to turn, and hopefully things are going to take a better turn for us as uh, restrictions start to loosen. Yeah, I turned my AC on for the first time today, and uh, yeah, so. Um, Enjoying all the are you being served I'm watching. You know, it's it's kind of a lovely thing that every episode we do, it's, you know, it's kind of preparation for this podcast, you know, watching every episode. But it's it's such great stuff. that, In fact, I just watched um, The Think Tank maybe an hour ago in preparation for the show. And um, I, belted, I belted out laughing like three times. It's still so funny. Um, and that's kind of what's so cool about the show is that, like, it... it I have to watch it, which is such a pleasure. So um, I hope whenever folks listen to the podcast, uh, either before or after they listen to the show, they go and watch the episode because it's just the funniest thing ever. And, so and we know we that, talk about it all the time, but man, it's such a good show. And we know that a lot of people are watching it because they're engaging with us on Facebook and through email. And thank you, super fans and listeners. Oh my God! Yeah, everyone. We have minions. Are you? Are you guys <laughs> our minions yet? We need a super cool name for our fans, right? You know how like Mariah Carey has her lambs. And Kesha has uh-huh. her like anim- animals or monsters or Lady Gaga, whatever. Um, uh-huh. So we, we need to come up with a super cool name for our fans. Maybe like the Servies? I don't know. <laughs> the, I can't think of anything. I don't know. That's a good question. It, it'll come to us. Well, let the minions n- the let us minions. know what they l- want to be called. <laughs> <laughs> so on our Facebook page, which is That Does Suit Madam, um, you can call the Peacock hotline at 662-PEACOCK, email, whatever. Just let us know what you'd like us to call you all. That's a good one. I like that. So let us know. I might do a poll on our Facebook page where people can, like, suggest what they want to be called. I'll, I'll, I'll say one of the options will be called um, the surveys. Like, are you being served? I don't know. Jeff's giving me a look like, I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't quite sit right with me. Service. The Grangies? The Grangies. Grangies. What was the name of the group in the very last episode on the finale that they formed? Oh, Did geez. they sing Chanson de Moore? Chanson de Moore. rat tat 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 I don't know. How about the Gracies? The Gracies? Grace Brothers? I don't know. Hello, all. That's, so that's the thing. So we'll figure it check out. out. Check out on the Facebook page, and it'll be fun. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure out what to call you all. So, yeah, so um, the Think Tank. (laughs) Think Tank. tank. This is a good episode. It is. It is a good episode um, because we start to get get the the after hours conference where we get to see more of the bureaucracy um, and um, more of the sight gags, but this time with costumes as opposed to props. And you know something I noticed when I just watched this just like an hour ago? I noticed that... You know, this is what the third episode of the second season. Yep. The characters seem very well known to the audience now. Yeah, they know They're what no to expect. They're no longer unknown variable. Um, everyone's kind of just—it's like a, a finely tuned engine at this point. Um, but let's go back in time. Let's talk about what was going on when this originally aired 
over the old-fashioned airwaves uh, in the BBC in Britain. So it premiered on the 28th day of March, um, 1974, uh, almost to the day. We're in May now, but I guess March is not that close. But, um, so what was going on back in uh, late March 1974? Yeah, Let's go back. Yeah, so that week in the news, um, the Terracotta Army was discovered in Xi'an, China. So if you've ever watched The Amazing Race or any kind of travel show that goes about China, there was this whole underground army of terracotta statues. Oh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. That, uh-huh. um, that one of the leaders um, had built. And so they were discovered that time there's like thousands and thousands, thousands of, of them, them right? yeah. yeah um the world's population reaches four billion uh and to think that that's practically doubled in just under 50 years is that's crazy crazy right um contraception folks that's all <laughs> i'm saying and then uh also georges pompidou the president of france passed away uh and so uh the Centre Pompidou, which is uh, a museum in France, is actually one of my favorite museums in the world. Doesn't he sound fancy, people like Jeff, when he speaks the French and the accents? <laughs> when, and I, when I parle the Francais. Um, yes. And so if you haven't been to the, the Pompidou or you forget which one it is, uh, if you've seen pictures of museums, it's the one that has all of the um, structural architecture on the outside. So weird like, pipes and stuff around. Right, so it looks like scaffolding, yeah. but it's really all the staircases are, are outside, right? There we go. And I actually, I've not been inside the museum, but I did walk like in, like past the plaza where you would go and stand in line. I was in Paris for like six hours once, <laughs> and I thought, that's a funny-looking museum. Like coming from New York where the museums are like giant cathedral kind of giant things, and then there's like this really hip kind of wacky kind of like dated looking almost building with like all this weird pipes and stuff. Yep. But, you know, I guess back then it was like really avant-garde. It was stuff. very, now av- it just looks very avant-garde for the time. Avant-garde. Um, but it looks, you know, it looks somewhat brutalist now, but um, yeah. yeah. So the last episode we were talking about uh, cold comfort, which um, everyone online has been sort of agreeing with you saying, it's one of the best episodes, and I, I'll give a shout-out to all the Facebook groups. I'm on all the Are You Being Served groups, so um, hello if you've um, started listening to us from there. Um, but everyone loved that episode, and that was a big part of the the plot was OPEC and the oil embargo and all of that stuff. And now, like, that's gone. <laughs> it was such, like, a topical thing for one episode. And now, like, Grace Brothers has moved on. I guess that... that uh, a coke factory that they tore down for the timber of the walls to put in the boilers to heat it. I guess that lasts a long time. I guess that's a lot of uh, a lot of fuel they have for their um, <laughs> their heating systems. I don't know, but it's just funny how like completely that's, that's everything thing. neatly resolved episode. in twenty nine. Yeah, everything's fine. It's a, it's a sitcom. Yeah. So um, so the think tank. So if you've ever been to Washington D.C. Um, you'll drive past, like, the Brookings Institution and, like, all of these think tank kind of places. But, I, you know, as a kid, I would watch this episode, and, and Mr. Rumbold literally explains what a think tank is. But I have a feeling that it's kind of grown into almost like a lobbying organization these days, right? Yeah. I mean, could you that's, that's what, professorize this a little bit for us? Yeah, when I hear think tank, that's what I think about. I, I don't think about just a business meeting where they're brainstorming. You know, yeah. And I think that Mr. Rumbold took his cue from a lot of you know, governmental agencies of the time that yeah. were designed to like, brainstorm and solve a specific problem. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is just like any other business meeting for any of us who have office jobs have ever attended. So, um, so anyway, we, we open on the episode and Mr. Rumbold is arriving and we see Mr. Mash is wiping down an unclothed female mannequin. <gasps> Clutch my pearls. <laughs> it is so... Okay, anyway, I'll, I'll wait, but that is the funniest thing later on in the episode. But I think it's... What, what, what I noticed about the beginning of the episode was when uh, Mr. Uh, Captain Peacock walks in off the lift. He's so belligerent to those poor cleaning ladies. Poor Daphne. Poor Daphne. Poor He's just Ivy. like an asshole. We have an explicit tag, and I will use it. He was an <laughs> asshole to those poor women. And he, in uh, at one point, I think later on in the episode, he they say, yes, sir. You know, like, 
kind of like stop bullying us and he was just so mean to them well it's i know it's 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 him like you know saying i'm in this position and you're exactly what it is yeah and he it also it also is like he in most of the episodes he waits to take his cue from rumbled to dismiss them or to admonish them but i think in this one he's says it the second he steps off the lift I don't know what did you, I, something I just noticed. Like, what is going on? Did they ratchet it up to like to volume eleven or something? I don't know what was that about. But he certainly can play that part, uh, Frank Thornton. He has that look and you know everything about his character. And we've all seen people like I went on a date once with a guy who was just completely rude to the guy who was taking tickets at a movie theater. And I'm like, you're an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Go away. I'm, I'm watching this alone. So don't be assholes, people. Yeah. Be nice. Um, yeah. Speaking of assholes, uh, Mr. Rumbold <laughs> decides uh, to uh, give Captain Peacock a little bit of a tongue lashing because he's wearing the wrong hat. Oh, dear me. So apparently um, beyond those lovely cream and brown uniforms that the women have to wear, uh, there's a series of hats that you get to wear based on your seniority rank. So bowlers are reserved for departmental heads and above. Uh, senior floor staff are allowed a Homburg, and junior floor staff should wear caps or trilbies. So I will say right here, a bowler hat is the type that you would see like in the 1920s, like kind of rounded top. Yep. It's like a dome. Um, the trilby or the Homburg, I kind of think are kind of similar. They're, I think they're similar yeah. too. You know, I, I think when I look at them, I think they're shaped like a fedora. But like a fedora, like in like what you see all like the black and white movies, guys. Yeah, but I think that yeah, the pe- right. I think that the peaks aren't as pronounced on a trilby as they are on a fedora. I feel like that they're sharper, okay. right? Uh, and then we also talk. Uh, we also hear them talk about a pork pie, which is one of those very flat straw hats. So it's it's yeah. very flat with a wide brim and just like sits very close to the top of the head. Um. And so we get a little bit of a kosher joke uh, there um, because uh, Rumble dresses oh, down I Peacock. Just got that. Rumble dresses down okay. Peacock, and Peacock you know, takes it out on Humphreys because he's wearing a Homburg when he shouldn't be. And so then uh, Humphrey shoots back, well, "What a shame! I was going to see my solicitor, and they don't go for a pork pie at Solomon and Ficklestein." Okay, got right. it. Because they because kosher people don't kosher eat pork people because it's unclean, just like the halal, blah blah blah. Yeah, um, I just got that joke. <laughs> I mean, like you know this how the show like they'll do some jokes and I just don't get it. But yeah, no, I do. I mean, I think as as far as jokes not aging well, I think this was somewhere on the tame meter because I don't think it was just funny to begin with. Yeah, I was like, okay, you know, pork it's, pie. It's kind of a play. It's almost a pun, but do you remember? Like, was it? Right at the turn, like the 2000s, like late 90s, that pork pie hats were like all the rave. Do you no, I don't remember that at all. I remember like dudes on like well, I, MTV, like wearing like little pork pie hats. Oh, you know what I do? They weren't straw, but they were like. So you know, are you talking about short. when there was like the new swing resurgence with like cherry pop and daddies uh, and scroll nut zippers bit, okay kind, yeah i mean it was like a thing it was like to look like you were from the 50s maybe well, from the 20s yeah i guess that's... from the roaring 20s roaring 30s yeah. flappers yeah that lasted like a hot minute like that was probably like a good six month nine month trend uh i think just as i was starting my senior year of university i may have may or may not have had a pork pie hat back in the day that but, does uh, not yeah. shock me no photographic proof. Um, so, um, so then the ladies walk in. They they des- they descend the stairs from the lift. Um, Mrs. Slocum, she's she's rather subdued this episode because she has gray hair. She doesn't have a, a, a you know a color of chartreuse or a whole ray of yellow. She hasn't been to see Madame Beryl. Oh no, Madame Beryl. I think the Madame Beryl's beauty salon might might sponsor a future show. So watch out for that. Not to be confused with Beryl the operator. Completely, yes. No, it's Two a common different mistake. women, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're so weird. Um, yeah, so they were, it's, kind of, it's funny about topical stuff with the 70s. Mrs. Slocum comes in and she says, Ugh, I've, I'm so tired. Um, no one would give me 
uh, a seat on the bus. I had to stand the whole way. And if you live in New York or, or commute public mass transit and you have to stand the whole time, it's the nicest thing to be giving a seat or to find a seat. So I felt Mrs. Slocum's pain in my calves, frankly. Yeah, but then speaking <laughs> about jokes that don't age well, we see um, Mr. Granger kind of um, lash back at her. You know, you women want equality, but not to stand for it. Uh, right. Or when the waiters brought the bill. And Granger, he's grumpy because he had to give up his seat on the train for some, quote, stupid woman. Right. So, so there's this whole – that's a kind of an underlying thing of the whole series is that you can see where – and especially um, Mrs. Slocum will kind of say, on behalf of the women. Yep. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then a lot of times the Trumpers will say, something like can be included too or whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's kind of cute. But, you know, I like that, like, even like Maud, you know, with B. Arthur, like, I know it's another TV show, but like lots of stuff about politics and the women's equality movement and equal rights amendment and all that stuff was definitely in the TV shows of the time. And, you know, I don't know what was going on in Britain in 1974 in terms of like women's, you know, feminism and stuff, but you definitely saw shades of that, you know, in the show. Do you think that the writers might have been attempting to um, paint the chauvinism and misogyny of Granger and some of the gentlemen on the floor mm. as villainous in order to be able to raise up Mrs. Slocum and Ms. Brahms? I don't know. I mean, I, th I think you and I are looking at this from a very American perspective where, you know, we kind of push the envelope. And 21st um, century perspective. Yeah, and, you know, like, um, I think the British people are very different. I mean, they're outliers on both sides, of course. But I think it's a very American thing for us to think that a TV show would push a political agenda and I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Well, um, this, this show did, I think this show did push political agenda, push somewhat of a political agenda by having such a camp character as Mr. Yeah. Humphreys and normalizing it the best they could in the seventies. Yeah. I, I, I've said it in almost every episode of the podcast that I would love to like, or maybe go to school and write a dissertation on what it meant for John Inman and Mr. Humphreys to be out in the media when he was, because it was so early on and there were other people who came before. But um, yeah, I'm kind of rethinking what I just said about that show. But, you know, again, the BBC was, was notoriously conservative and not Still politically is. conservative, but just like, we don't want to rock a boat. Let ITV do that stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the other, it's sort of like the uh, non-PBS version of BBC over there. Right. Um, yeah. Let them, so let anyway, them do it politics. on Corey. Yes, Coronation Street, let them do that. Let them have the gaze on Coronation Street. Um, so one topic <laughs> that hasn't been addressed so far, I don't think at all in the series, is old money. We get into, oh. a, we start to get into a little bit of a conversation because they're talking about, uh, the value of a pound, and the department was down 600 pounds last week. And Oh, the old decimalization. Yeah, and, stuff. and you know, the, the, the pound isn't worth what it used to. And I thought you meant like old rich like people. Old rich, <laughs> no, like the nouveau riche. No, no, no. <laughs> old money. Um, like pound, shilling, and some pence, right? Um, yeah, so I, I know of it. I don't know what it means. So, so what happened was they have a little meeting, and everyone gets there very early, and... They're you're all crabby because they had to take a different bus and they're tired. So, as is usual, Captain Peacock and brings everyone together, and Mr. Rumbold starts trying to do it, and then <laughs> Mr. Granger just kind of randomly like he's not paying attention because he's old. He does this all the time, and someone says something about the price. We should have a sale, and then Mr. Granger says, "Oh, I remember when." gin was six farthings and a half penny or something <laughs> like that and at that point my brain just stops listening because i don't know like i hear their words but i don't know what they mean so professor jeff is going to tell you let's talk Help us, jeff. let's talk about old money a little bit right so mrs slocum uh, introduces the topic remembering when bread used to cost four pence and three farthings a loaf so that's four pence four pennies and three farthings a loaf so a farthing was a quarter of an old penny. So it's four and three quarters pennies. So a quarter penny. Four and three quarters pennies. Okay. A, far, a can, farthing is a quarter penny, right? So the way the old money used to go was that there were 12 old pennies to a shilling and then 20 shillings to a pound. So that would mean that there were 240 shilling, uh, pennies in a pound. It's almost like... 
it's so easy to think about 100 and that's what everything is based on now. But like the way we tell time is based on 12. And so, right? so there are two, so, there are two reasons why 240 pennies in a pound and one of them has to do with 12s and dozens. So, um, okay. So the way that the old, this is tough by the way, <laughs> the way that the old money was set up, it was a very easy to break down something that was sold by the dozen. If a dozen eggs cost four shillings, then one egg costs four pennies. You just you didn't have to do any math. You just replaced shillings with penny, right? Because there were twelve pennies to a shilling. I'd, I'd need a flow chart, right. but I I kind of hear what you're saying. It sounds like maybe four hundred years ago or whatever when they when they decided to do money this way. I don't know. Well, we're we're um, getting there. We're getting there. Okay. So one of the reasons why twelve is such a Twelves and dozens is uh, the way we tell time and the months mm. and um, uh, the way we sell things like eggs is it and biblical? donuts. The two hundred and forty is biblical, but the twelve is <laughs> the twelve is a factor of convenience, right? There's so many ways to group a bunch of twelve, much more than there is to group a bunch of ten, right? So you can break a dozen. Down into this to us now. <laughs> you could break it down into two groups of six, three groups of four, four groups of three, six groups yeah. of two, or twelve groups of one. Right? So that's five different ways you could break it down. Okay. But ten, you could break it down into five groups of two, two groups of five, or one or ten groups of ones. Okay, so, so is this a way to make just a way people to, not have to do math? Right, it's just when a way to, to easily break stuff, stuff up so that you have a whole number. Now, oh. the reason why it's 240 is somewhat biblical. So hold on just a second yeah. before you go. So back in the day when a lot of people probably couldn't write and a lot of people couldn't probably multiply or divide, right? They made the money based on 12 because just like you said, you can divide 12 a lot more times than 10. So if you wanted to like, well, how much did this cost? Well, a shilling is 12 and I'm taking four. So then it would just kind of, it would, people would know yeah. you'd, more. You'd just, go from, the, than you'd just okay. go from one denomination to the next down. So okay, two, that makes sense. 240 is because back in Roman times, so biblical-ish. I love Britain sometimes. Um, <laughs> the Romans did it this way. It's, it's the Romans' <laughs> fault, right? A pound of silver could be cut up into 240 coin-shaped pieces that were easier to carry around than a block of silver or a portion of silver. Okay. So that's how the 240 came into it. And then they split that into 20 as the large unit and 12 as the smaller unit. Again, like Britain has this crazy long history that they're like, well, that's what we've done since, you know. Yeah. So and so the the great and why not why why change it yeah you know and so but they did didn't they, they they changed so why it. did they change it well they changed it because they were the last country in the world not to uh, <laughs> everyone else had a decimal currency except for I think there's two countries today still that don't I believe Mauritania in northern Africa is one what and I think the other one is some other is, is might be a Middle Eastern country. That he is not a, looking at his notes, folks. He is just like pulling this out of the thin air. That's amazing. Anyway, five stars, five stars. Um, so they were one <laughs> of the last ones. They they changed in February 1971, and Ireland changed uh, either the same day or a month later or something like that. Um, okay, so so this is a ma- monumental change. Like, absolutely, like and and they do mention it a lot in uh, on the show. Yeah. Um, think about like what if instead of like what if we did that today, uh, although reverse, what if we change so that a dollar is actually twelve, or I guess a hundred and twenty cents instead of a hundred cents in America? That would be really weird, you know. Like, how much do you get paid now? Well, uh... yeah. So out of nowhere, Mister Granger is like, well, I remember when gin used to be twelve and six a bottle. So that means. Um, 12 shillings and six pence. So 12 and a half shillings. 12 and a half, sh- 12 and a half shillings. Yeah. Which is, okay. um, <laughs> which is like just 62 and a half P in new money, not adjusted so, for inflation. 
so six pounds twenty five. No. In new money back in 1974. Oh, yeah. So if we adjust for inflation, it's probably £6.25 for a bottle of gin, which I think that's a good deal. Okay. Yeah. You know, if you're a gin person. Yeah. I like a bit of gin. Uh, anyway, so they're, start, they're starting to, um, to make plans for the think tank, but no one can make it that evening. Um, Mr. <laughs> Humphreys can't make it because someone's coming over to wash his hair. Uh, and Mr. Rumble's like, well, why can't you phone him? And he gets all adamant, what makes you think it's a him? And this deep, what makes you think it's a him? deep, deep <laughs> put-upon voice, which is excellent. Right. Uh, everyone's giving their excuses, and Mrs. Slocum comes in with, uh, a, um, if I'm, not, if I'm home, not home by the stroke of eight, something, something, pussy, something, something. My pussy goes mad. My pussy goes mad. Right. And the crowd roars and cackles at oh. that one, so. Um... Why don't we go down to the canteen for a tea break and then um, figure out what time we'll be able to come in in the morning for the think tank? Okay, I've um, I saw that they have a new special from Beppo's. They've uh, they have lovely lovely cheese toasties, so I think I'll try one of those and uh, get some lovely creamy coffee. So, why don't we? Um, do you know what you're going to get before you go down? Uh, I was hoping for some cheese on a bun, but I think it's going to be all cheese and no bun. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe Beppo's will make it better. All right, so let's hop down to the lift. We'll have a little bit of um, a little tea break in the ca- in the canteen, and we'll come right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. And we're back. How was your cheese toasty? Toasty and cheesy. How about you? Uh, mine, my bun was way too cheesy. Too much cheese is not a, not a possible thing. Come on. So, um, but the tea was good. The tea was good. And the manageress had her day off today. So that was always a good thing. <laughs> Beppo was standing in for her. Yeah, go go little Giuseppe. So, what is Beppo's about? So, we it's he, luckily Beppo's is sponsoring the episode for today. But um, what is that about? Like, is that like a, was there really a shop called Beppo's, and that's what they talked about in the show? I don't think so. I think it's just a generic placeholder because Beppo is short for the Italian name Giuseppe, or oh, or like Joseph. an Italian coffee shop or yeah. something. Oh, okay. So I think it was Beppo's. just like you know the the place around the corner. Kind of like a corner place cool so where were we um people were coming down um so it's having a think tank it's the next morning they've all arrived early for the think tank yeah Uh, both slocum and mr granger are dying for a cup of coffee and mr rimbold says they'll send mash around uh, to get some up once peacock arrives he comes late carrying a cup of coffee because he stopped over at our sponsors beppo's for a cup and had the peacock special um they, they all ask for a sip. Slocum uh, takes her sip and then begs Miss Brom to try it. Oh, it's so lovely and creamy. Uh, dips her <laughs> digestive biscuit in it. Biscuit in it. Mr. Granger <laughs> yeah. needs a sip to take a pill. It doesn't go down. He has to take a second sip. And, and it's so cute because Captain Peacock is like, my drink, my drink, you know, the whole time. It's so sweet. It's yeah. just a simple little joke, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, very visual, too. Um, um, Mr. Humphreys is also late to the think tank. Uh, it turns out that he'd had a horrible dream that kept him up. Uh, there was a half-man, half-beast came galloping towards him on a big black horse. And he didn't know which way to turn. Which is unusual for me. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't say that, but he right. didn't. 
And then he was petrified until he noticed that it was, he was riding side saddle, and then everything was okay. And, and again, the, the crowd cracks up. Now, like you said, they've really started to get into the rhythm of the jokes yeah. about what to expect from Mr. Humphreys and Mrs. Slocum, and they just burst out laughing, which is so They really great are to the hear. stars. Yeah. They're the stars. And I love the episodes where they get to play off each other, and like when Mrs. Slocum falls in love with him, and he has to like figure out different ways Several to get out times. of it. Several times. Several I know times, you know. That, that lady needs like, to get a boyfriend. Why didn't she get the hint, right? Yeah, well, so I mean, he was never he was never gay. Remember? So they um they start having the conversations, but uh, Mister Mash is over in the corner washing the mannequin. <laughs> this and is the thing that just cracks me up. This is the first callback, which is pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> and like Mister Rumbold and Captain Peacock <laughs> has suggested, she's wearing the mannequin is wearing a slip. And we see Mr. Mash with this oversized sponge, like just washing her up and down the leg and everyone's <laughs> staring. And all of a sudden he goes all the way up the leg to the crotch and we get this squeal out of Mrs. Loco, Slocum. <laughs> the funny thing that what's so funny for me is that, you know, they have all these like horrible tables like that are probably on the like that were they found that the BBC's corridors, hallways somewhere because <laughs> they're all kind of gross and they stick them together in, little, in like a little use where everyone kind of sits there. So anytime they have a meeting, they always have these horrible chairs and tables. So anyway, like they're all sitting there in the morning and then here comes Mr. Mash <laughs> who has this like horrible like pale mannequin. First of all, which is not dirty in the least. No, not at all. Which kind of makes it funnier. It just got washed yesterday. I know, and like this, <laughs> I can't even talk. It's so funny. Um, Mr. Mash has like, because of it, the immodest people of Grace Brothers, they couldn't have him clean the naked mannequin <laughs> while she's naked. It's so it's not a she. It's it's a, it's a mannequin. But anyway, like you know, in the very beginning of the episode, like it opens to him like washing the nipples of the stupid mannequin. Or where the nipples it, should be, because I'm sure yes, there weren't yes. any. And then, of course, Captain Peacock and Mr. Rumbold come over, and they're like, how did this can't happen? You know, of course, it's like stuffy 1974 Britain, whatever. So then they say, okay, we'll do a, we'll do a thing where you put, they put on like a little petticoat on the mannequin so that it won't be actually nude <laughs> when they clean it. It's so stupid. <laughs> so then, like... Later in the episode, because this is when he, this is what Mr. Mash does in the mornings when no one is there. He cleans the mannequins every day. It's so stupid. Folks, I wish you could see what is happening right now because this is, (laughs) this laugh track is not being provided by our switchboard operators in northern Mississippi or by Beppo's. Brandon is literally cracking himself up thinking about Mr. Mash washing the mannequin. He walks in like he's oblivious to the fact that there's this big meeting going on and he gets his great big sponge and he just starts cleaning the mannequin and everyone on the table at the meeting, they all turn their head. And they're just watching him like, what the hell's going on? They're, anyway. up, they're appalled when he reaches up. Anyway, I so. challenge everyone to watch that scene, what the, the, the first of the second break or something of the commercial break, yeah. and not just giggle because yeah. it's just so stupid. That's yeah. what makes me laugh. Obviously. <laughs> As you've just heard. <laughs> um, anyway. So let's they, be serious now. Yes, let's talk about old the money, national debt. and pence. Yes. Um, so they're all coming up with ideas about what to do in order to drum up sales. Uh, should they have a giveaway or celebrity autographs or advertise in the local paper? And um, Mr. Lucas comes up with a slogan, you'll get a square deal at Grace Brothers. To which Mr. Humphrey says, well, we'll be in trouble with the Trades Descriptions Act. Lucas goes, well, why not? You couldn't have square clothes in what we've got. So I'll jump in to say the Trades Description Act is sort of like the British version of what? It's like you can't it's make the law. up. It's you, you, you can't lie in your ads. Yeah. So there's an American version of that, right? I can't remember what it would be called. Um, I don't think there's – well, there's the Federal Trade Commission, which oversees advertising. But okay. I, I don't like think that the, there's like a law that's known by name. About falsehoods they or do disclaimers, or, in the show. yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, it probably it probably was a recent addition to UK law, and it probably oh, so got they a talked lot about they it because it was in the zeitgeist. Right? Yeah. Well, we, the recent uh, it was kind of a segue that that Lucas mentions. You know, our clothes are so square. 
He opens, and then they start, yeah, he opens Mr. Rumble's eyes to the fact that the the clothes are so old fashioned, right? Yeah. Pop stars set the fashion, and no one's going to want to dress like this, right? And it, it's Rumble is completely dumbfounded that that's one of the reasons why people aren't coming in because they don't think the clothes are fashionable or the clothes are for them. Uh, and so, yeah, Mr. Granger being so out of it, it's like, are you suggesting that we all dress like Bing Crosby? Because that's his because idea of a him, pop star. Because to him, that's a pop star. That is so cute. I yeah. love that. Bing Crosby. And then all of a sudden, we see the light bulb go off over Mr. Rumble's head, and he exclaims, unisex! To which Mr. Humphreys goes, I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. <laughs> because any time that the word sex is mentioned, or anything that even hints towards... Or gender, gender or, or anything... anything yeah. Uh, Humphreys has to be the one to, to give a call back. But I thought it was kind of cool, interesting, like maybe 10 seconds after that. Um, of course, they have like they have to explain to Mr. Rumble, like, oh, no, unisex means a woman or a man can wear it. And then he's like, oh, okay. And then he says, I thought that was bisexual. <laughs> and then, which, like, I wonder how many times the word bisexual has been said on the, over on the British, British television area. before Yeah, that might be the first. You know. Probably on a sitcom. Yeah, yeah, and then, of course, Mr. Humphrey says, I don't think, no, I don't think that's he what you meant, Mr. Rumble. He has this exasperated look on his face where he's it's just, like, like <laughs> shaking his head. No, that, that's not what you meant, Yeah, because, you know, if you think about Mr. Humphrey's life, he probably has to correct people all the time. And they just don't understand. I'm, I'm not going to explain it all, which is gay guys. We've, we've all been in the situation where, no, that's not what transgender means. That's not what, get, no, you, uh, I don't even want to explain it. I, you know, so I related to that scene. Just earlier today, I got into it on Facebook with an acquaintance from college, her second cousin, who was um, talking about the um, Christian Cooper thing that happened in Central Park yesterday with the guy that asked the woman to put her dog on a leash and she oh you know, the african-american guy who the white lady i'm gonna tell the the, i'm gonna tell that an african-american man is threatening me um and she you know this Terrible. this stranger was disgusted by what happened but she kept saying things like you know that woman's not mentally stable or maybe she's got a mental illness and no i'm sorry you, you shouldn't be confounding the two it's it's doing a disservice to people with mental illnesses, and it's doing a complete disservice to racists who need to be um, corrected and admonished. You don't have to be mental Ill, mentally ill to be racist. Uh, like, exactly. You know, yeah. I, I, under, I understand that it's hard to classify this woman as a racist because she's not in your face saying the N-word and behaving like other racists we've seen, but she... she mechanically and meaningfully knew what she was doing when she said, I will tell them that an African-American man is threatening me. You know, because she, for her, she would have felt guilty if she used the word black man, but she's going that, to call and say, like, she'll say African-American because she feels guilty that maybe she's calling the cops on some random, he was a bird watcher right. in Central Park watching the birds, like on the Audubon Society, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so you were arguing with Facebook, which is always a good idea. Anyway, so we we <laughs> we as queer people are used to having to uh, always explain yourself. People. Anyway, yeah. as as a lot of African Americans, uh, I'm sure, have to do all the time, or or not, or know. anyone who has a different ability, or yeah. yeah totally. Anyway, so marginalization at its best. Hooray! Yay! Okay, so Act Three. Um, they're getting ready to set up for the fashion show, um, and they decide, oh, they, that was their idea, right? They oh, well, let's do a fashion show. Yeah, so oh, they, okay. sorry, so they end up doing the, the, the fashion show. Yeah, the whole point of the damn episode. It was kind of like a light script, I think, and they're like, oh, how do we pad this a little bit? Yeah, uh, let's have a think tank. I was telling Jeff before the episode started recording. I said, I just wish it was called the fashion show, and it was much more fashiony, and they would have costume changes, and you know, Mr. Rumble would even have a, a costume change, but. I mean, oh, we I get, as the series matures, we get plenty of of opportunities to see them dress up in outlandish costumes. So <laughs> yeah. I think and I we think see this some is, of those in this episode too. Yeah, and I think that they were the writers were really you know starting to feel the rhythm of the characters and the dialogue, but maybe the props and the um, wardrobe department haven't caught up yet. Maybe, yeah. 
but like things will change and this is this has this episode's kind of a, a slowish one it's but it's got a lot of like my god i could start giggling if i think about mr mash yeah um but the the costumes were kind of good mr humphreys um you know we should give some props to um our mega fan jeff uh not you but jeff number two um mr jeff on the interwebs pointed out uh before we started to record this episode of the Think Tank, he said, in no other episode does Mr. Oh, Humphreys th- come this, out. This is one of the few times. Yeah, well, this one of the few times. So prop, big, big shout out to you, Mr. Jeff. Hello. Um, whenever you have people, the, the cast come out in different outfits or whatever, they usually save Mr. Humphreys for the last, right, as the big grand finale. As the build-up, um, yeah. That's the build-up, but he comes out first this time. So maybe the writers didn't realize that the audience will go wild if they hold back and bring him out at the yeah, end. Yeah, bring him out Because they knew he's, his outfit will always be the most flamboyant, and which, of course, I always love. But. Yeah. So thanks for that, Jeff. So Mr. Lucas is uh, acting as the MC and narrator. He's introducing <laughs> everybody and listening their, um, talking about their outfit. He starts to list all the prices of Mr. Humphrey's outfit, and it's, at the end he goes, well, I'm extra. We got a cute little I wink know. and a nod. It's like, and uh, three pounds for the trousers and four pounds for the hat. And then he looks at the camera, breaks the fourth wall, Mr. Humphreys, and he says, and I'm extra, <laughs> yeah. which is the cutest thing. <laughs> uh, Miss Brahms and Mr. Granger come out as Ta- Tanya and Tony in their pajamas. Snooze. I mean, the, there was a little bit of a joke about um, Mr. Granger couldn't get his uh, dressing gown or his bathrobe undone, but yeah. this was... Excuse, so- so the, so, the, so the staff come out and they play models. So the right. models get like fake names like Tiffany and Jessica or whatever. It's kind Jessica, of cute. Yeah. I don't know. And then what's, what's cute though is um, Mr. Humphreys is wearing a like, like mango tangerine sorbet, um, like ruffled tuxedo shirt with a kind of like, I don't know, I picture like aubergine. Aubergine, yeah, yeah, and he's got like a cane and like a hat. It looks like a pimp. It's really, almost like a, car- a caricature of a seventies pimp. He looks like so. Oscar Wilde, like what I picture Oscar Wilde would have looked like. <laughs> I don't know, uh, but it's uh, funny because there's an, a future episode where, um, which is often quoted. Oh, I wish I could afford that. Oh, I don't think I can afford that. If you're if you're a big fan of the show, you know the episode. But that episode where there's kind of like a guy comes in and hits on Mr. Humphreys. Right. And he kind of panics. Um, he wears essentially the same outfit as what Mr. Humphreys does as he comes down the stairs in the, in the fashion Interesting. Show. I think you might have to put up a side-by-side picture on the Facebook He's wearing the post. same hat. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's probably just the quintessential gay puff kind yeah, of look. Yeah, um, because I, I know the episode you're talking about. I know the character. And I don't recall him looking so pimpish. Oh, I remember you know looking it's, a little I'm more sorry. mod. You're so right. It's what they sell him. Oh, and then at the end, he says, yes. and you know what? The same for my the friend The same for my here. friend. Because he has this fabulous velvet hat and like a scarf. And it's, it's the hat. Yeah. That, that's a little bit femme. It is the hat. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Yeah. But um, that's one of my friends, my, my, my friend Jimmy. Whenever we talk about something expensive, maybe you and I have even said it like, oh, I wish I could I afford that. I wish I could that. afford that. That's what we're re- referencing. Yeah. So that's a future future episode. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Slocum <laughs> makes her entrance as Naomi. Uh, she's wearing a feather boa, a feather fascinator, and a mermaid gown with a train. And very 1920s, by the way. Very, very 20s. Uh, and the, uh, the, the tail or the, the leg of her gown is so tight that she can't get down the stairs. She jumps down them. <laughs> Two feet she at a time. She can't like go down the stairs one foot at a time, so she hops, which is the funniest. Thing. And she does because she's stuff. trying to look. And she's trying to look like a model, and right. she's like, you know, Mr. Grace is watching, and it's so funny. And she does this a couple of times throughout the entire series. And when you know she does her bit on the on the floor as a model, and she's supposed to go back up the stairs, and she can't, so she hikes her skirts up and like stomps up one foot at a time. <laughs> Um, Poor Mrs. Slocum. And then we get um, Mr. Uh, Captain Peacock as Rodney in Rodney. his city suit from the Tycoon Range with his waistcoat and his top hat and his Japanese brawly. Uh, he's you know really refined, and his actually looks like a normal outfit that like somebody would wear yeah. in the yeah. 70s or today. 
And so he goes to call the elevator or call the lift. And as inside, part of the act. As part know. of the act. And inside, Mr. Mash is washing the mannequin again. <laughs> and so we get our third callback to this. Poor Mr. Hysterical. Mash just wants to wash a mannequin in privacy. Right. And I think that he was, he was very um, <laughs> frightened or, or, stu- or surprised by the call, yeah. by the elevator, the lift doors opening, because he's fumbling to, like, cover up the mannequin, and the head pops off, and it's, it's hysterical. Oi! How about a little privacy, eh? So... It's yeah. so stupid. Thank you. That's my great impersonation of a Cockney accent. Good job. Yeah, Lovely. And I will say, speaking of Cockney, there's no Cockney rhyming slang. I didn't clock any Cockney rhyming slang no. this time around. Yeah. I love that you call it clock. Um, so RuPaul of you. Mm. Um, yeah, but there was like a couple of jokes in there that I can't remember. And it was like cute little things. But um, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of want to do a... Facebook post where I do all of the Mr. Humphrey's uh, outfits where like it's clearly done by the show to be like Mr. Humphrey's is here with a funny outfit hooray clap clap um, but this would be one of them you know he's wearing that fabulous outfit um, I think this is the tamest cute. of all of his costumes over the 10 year run well they definitely have like a, a slope up and um, to use a coronavirus uh, term <laughs> um <laughs> Well, By the I mean, way, everyone th- go and wash your hands and wear a mask and all that stuff. We didn't say that. I mean, if, if you think about this episode, I mean, if you think about the costume, it's not revealing or promiscuous in any kind of way. Usually his, his costumes are very high-cut shorts, short shorts. German week. Or he'll have um, high-heeled shoes or he'll have um, Elton John sunglasses or he'll have, you know, <laughs> something. Anyway. Yeah. So young Mr. Grace is not pleased at all with the um, with the fashion show. If you want to sell goods, you better have a sale. So that sells that. That settles that. No more fashion show. And he said he pulls Captain Peacock aside and says, "By the way, that hat doesn't suit you. You should get yourself a bowler." So we get this uh-huh. call back to the very beginning call of the back. episode as well. It's cute because the whole thing they did this whole silly um, fashion show was kind of a test to see. We'll, we'll do this for young Mr. Grace to see if he likes it. If, and if, if he he'll likes pay it, for it, he'll pay for and the models. And then we'll get like the real models. And then he, at the end, he's like, I don't like it. Never mind. Back well, to the old drawing board. Well, much like, you know, much like last week's episode with Cold Comfort, uh, they had come up with all these ways to keep themselves warm. And Mr. Rumble decides to close for the day. And then at the last minute, young Mr. Grace comes in and with a wave Let's of his finger changes yeah. everything around. Right. But, you know, we've, so all been, we've all had a, We've all had a job where. You can do all you want, and the, everyone can contribute. And if the guy or gal in charge is like, no, then it was like, okay, yep. well, we did all that for nothing. Yep, yeah. and they turn around. So. so, But it's also, a, it's a good, I mean, we have to remember, like, we don't watch the show. We don't love Are You Being Served because of the fantastic plot. <laughs> it's more like the cute little jokes, yeah. and these are really good opportunities for those to happen. So yeah. there we go. So this was the episode, and in my humble opinion, not one of the best kind of mad you know a couple of jokes here and there that make you giggle um some people more uncontrollably <laughs> more than, than others, others. <laughs> um but i think that even in this season i think that there are others it's you know and i would also want to say i mean it is so funny because I, what i find so the funniest in the world is stuff that's just stupid like spongebob squarepants Absurd. is just stupid yeah. and i it's so funny because it's so ridiculous and the fact that they have to clean these things every day and it, in fact um uh miss brahms says miss brahms says um he says something like i'm going to go and t- wash her down in the staff shower or something and then she says well be sure to take a cold shower not a hot one yeah. or something kind of like implying like are you really doing that from like a sexual reason why are you doing that <laughs> but um yeah it's just ridiculous which is i the stuff i always find the funniest so yeah so yeah so um next week's episode a uh, little bit of a sneak preview it is funnier than this one uh it's big brother and this is the one of the ones with secret cameras not oh the one with the horse race where they do, where Mr. Humphreys does the charades, yeah, uh, yeah. But this is one where they think that they've got um, uh, a shoplifter, a petty pilferer, and, so, and so they've got the the detective come in. So there's that one. Such a good episode, and where yeah. they all overact so that they I it I tried to warn them. Yeah, 
Yeah, such a good episode. So that's going to be really funny. This one was a good one. I mean, there's no funny. Ep- there's no one episode that isn't funny. I think. But Big Brother is probably one of the top ten. You know, just just you wait. I, I can't recall off the top of my head, but I think that um, every well-loved sitcom has their empty nest um, episode, right? Yeah. And so I, 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 for for those who may not know, I'm holding um, the Golden Girls as my reference point here. And I think that any fan of the Golden Girls will unanimously agree, and I am unanimous in this. He is unanimous. The worst, the worst episode of the entire seven series is um, The Empty Nest, what was supposed to be the pilot for Empty Nest that guest starred uh, Rita Moreno. And it's... I'm not going to get into it here. This is about already being served, but... Stay I, tuned for our next podcast. That does suit Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I won't, I, I'll, I'll reserve judgment on the fact that there are no unfunny episodes. Yeah. I, 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 there has to be a clunker in 10 years. Well, we'll it, find it. I mean, there's we'll what, find 75 episodes or whatever, 65. We'll find it. But yeah. I don't know. I think we love the episode and I think we, you all do too, that, there is no such thing as a bad episode of Are You Being Served. There was one with blackface, going back to the racism. That's a whole thing that I don't even know if we'll cover. But, you know, there's, a, a, again, it's a very pr- thing, a product of its time. And we're, we'll crack that egg open and look at it all like we have already. So yeah. with, the, with the previous ones. But, yeah, um, Big Brother's a good one. So just uh, be looking for that in your little podcast apps and stuff, folks. Yeah. So, so that's the episode. So stick with us. Um, you can get in touch with us uh, on Facebook or on Twitter, or you can write us email at uh, that does suit madam with an e at gmail.com or call the hotline at 662 Peacock. That's 662 732 And maybe you'll get a mention as a super fan on the next episode. Yeah, and we were toying with the idea of like getting the fans uh, of the podcast involved in the show. So we'll see what we can do. We're, we've got some ideas on the on the uh, some irons in the fire. So we'll see what we can come up with. All so right, there we go. that's the episode. We'll see you next week, everyone. Bye, everybody. Stay safe. Bye. That does suit, madam. Is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? Substantial penalty for early withdrawal.